Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Living on mission. Tell your neighbor, I'm living on a mission. Tell your neighbor, I'm living on a mission. You know, I think that uh, now more than ever, we need to be reminded that we're on a mission. (laughs) Amen? That this is not our final destination, our last stop, or our final assignment, that we are on a mission of what God has called us to, of where God has placed us, of where God has positioned us, and that in the middle of the chaos and the uncertainty and the unknowns and the unexpecteds that happen in our life, that we are living on mission, that we're in the middle of seeing God's plan, of God's word, of God's promises being fulfilled in the earth, that we are seeing his kingdom come and his will being done. I love what Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 says. Many of you may know it. Some of you may not have heard it in a while, but we're going to read it together this morning. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. I love that Jesus loved to eat. You know, one of the big occasions that we're going to have when we get to heaven is the marriage supper of the Lamb. I was talking about this. I don't remember who I was talking to this about. It was somebody. Rihanna and I were talking to somebody, and I said, You know, I just can't wait. Can you imagine how good it's going to be? You know, some of y'all know how to cook. I'm a living example, a witness, as Jesus would say, of your ability to cook. Uh-huh. Your desserts and your treats and all your good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get there? Do you ever just sit and think about what heaven's going to be like? What it's going to be like to be in the presence of Jesus and the kind of celebration that, he, that he's going to have when he fulfills his will and his plan? on the, How can you not get excited about that? Amen? That that all of the things of this world, that everything that the enemy has done, that everything that the enemy has stolen, that he's going to be stopped forever. Forever. And that for eternity, we're going to spend the rest of our existence in the presence of Jesus, worshiping the King of Kings, experiencing His glory and His presence, rejoicing in the fulfillment of His Word and His plan, that everything that we have suffered, everything that we have gone through, everything that we have endured for the sake of Jesus Christ, all of those things that God is going to redeem, that God is going to restore as He calls His church home, what a party. What a celebration. What a time. And, and we all know, especially living in the South, that if you're going to celebrate, you've got to eat. On one occasion while he was eating with them, Jesus had been raised from the dead. God had fulfilled his word and his promise. He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but, but, but within a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I love verse number 6 because it, it underlines the questions that we all ask when we think God's going a certain way. 
and he doesn't go the way that we thought he was going to go? Even the disciples, after everything that they had witnessed, they thought, well, good, Jesus has come back. This Roman government, these, these people that have invaded the promises of God and the promised land of God, they're going to be expelled, and the kingdom of God is going to be established on the earth like never before. And he gives this, them this instructions, and then he leaves. I didn't see that coming. You ever been in that place? You ever been in that moment in life? Okay, Lord, this is not the direction that I thought that you were talking about. Like, I know what your plan is, and I know what your will is, and I know, but this is, <laughs> Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your Holy Spirit. God, that has flooded not only this room, but the rooms of every person that's joining us today online. God, I ask that Holy Spirit, right now, you would speak to our hearts and our lives, that we would hear from you today. I pray those that are tired and weary, that they would be refreshed and renewed in your presence. I pray those that are sick today, that healing would come in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that you're healing high blood pressure. I thank you that you're healing incurable diseases. God, I thank you that every spectrum of sickness, every spectrum of disease is being met with the healing power of the word of God today. Lord, I pray for those that are grieving, whose hearts are heavy today, that Lord, you would comfort them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that the love and the presence and the peace of God that truly surpasses all understanding would surround them today, that, Lord, you would minister to their hearts exactly what they need from you today. Lord, I pray that those that are hearing the word of God today, that seeds that have been planted would spring forth, that, Lord, there would be fresh revelation, that there would be insight from heaven today, that, God, we would hear and be transformed into who you've called us to be, that the lies of the enemy, that the doubt and the fear, that the worry would be completely annihilated by the power of your Holy Spirit, that there would be such a peace and such a joy that would flood our hearts, that our passion for you, our hunger for you, our thirst for you, Lord, would be renewed as never before, that, God, we would go deeper and farther into your word and into our relationship with you, Lord, walking in the truth of your word and the revelation of what you have for us. Have your way in our hearts and our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This message uh, that I'm sharing with you today is living on mission, and, and I've said countless times before that I believe that we all have a call, that we all have a purpose, that, that we're not here by accident or by mistake. I think it's one of the greatest lies that the enemy tries to tell any person that's alive on the earth today, that there's a time and that there's a moment where the enemy tries to challenge our lives as to whether we actually have a purpose, as to whether or not our life actually has a meaning, as to whether or not our existence even matters. But I I believe that God's word is clear about his plans, about his promises, and about his purposes in our lives, that God truly does have a plan, and that God truly does have a purpose. And I believe that our purposes may be different, and they may be unique, and they may, be, uh, they may look completely, uh, completely opposite of what someone else's purpose or, or someone else's gifts or talents or abilities may be, but God has strategically placed each and every one of us for a purpose. 
Paul puts it this way, and, and, and the word, he says, we are one body made up of many different parts, but there's no way that the body can function separate of itself. It requires us together fulfilling what God has called us to do and the mission that God has given us. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, underline the greatest command and the greatest instruction that Jesus had given, or the greatest call that Jesus had given, which is for us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm thankful today to be a part of the body of Christ that is still fulfilling the command that Jesus gave to go into all the world and to preach the gospel of all creation. This passage of scripture is oftentimes referred to as the great commission. It's the moment where God fulfilled or where Jesus brought about full circle what he had said to Peter uh, on the on the rock about the church that Jesus was establishing and the mission that God was giving them. We are a church on a mission. Tell your neighbor I'm living on a mission. You know, I think one of the greatest revelations in our life is to understand that we are living on a mission. That God has positioned us for a reason and a purpose. The job that, you're, that you work at, the responsibilities that you have, the people that you, that you work beside or the people that you're responsible for. Maybe you're a leader in your job or maybe a manager or, or director, whatever it is. But those places that God has positioned you, there's a reason that He has you in that place. It may not always make sense in the moment and oftentimes it will leave you scratching your head, but it's those moments that God has positioned you to be the light in the midst of darkness and to be the open door for somebody to hear about the love of Jesus, for somebody to know that their life is full of meaning and full of purpose because of the love that God has for them, because of the truth of God's word for them, because of the desire that he has for them to come out of that darkness into the light, as we talked about last week, of understanding the revelation and the truth of who Jesus is and the promises that he has for our life. Our life is a life that's to be lived on mission, fulfilling what Jesus has called us to do because of his love, because of his purpose, because of his truth in our lives. Four things I want to share with you this morning from these passages of scripture about living on mission. And number one is this, we have to follow his plan. Tell your neighbor, follow his plan. Emphasis on his as planners, those planners that are in the room, I've talked to you before, those that are watching online, you know, we like to have our plan and kind of know what's coming next. I think it was planners that, that asked Jesus the question in Acts chapter 1 and said, Lord, are you, going, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Planners, we want to know what's coming next, okay? You died, <laughs> and that was a shock. You told us, but we didn't have that full plan and picture in place, so we were shocked. And then you came back to life. And that was a shock, and, and, and it shouldn't have been because we knew, but we didn't have that mapped out. So now that we're moving forward, what's the plan? You know, are you going to restore? And I love Jesus' response to them. He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. As a planner, there's nothing more frustrated than to be told, you don't need to worry about the plan. If you've ever, as a planner, been with someone who's a non-planner, you know the frustration of not knowing what comes next. Or being in a position where you have X amount of things that you need to accomplish in a day or on a trip or, or something, and, and, and the non-planner is leading the way. And, and towards the end of your time, and they, they look at you and they say, well, I guess there's not enough time for that. 
Well, had we not driven in 15 circles, just taking our time and just kind of going with the flow, we could have had a plan and we could have cut out some of this and we could have made this happen. And I think, you know, as believers, there's times in our life where we know what God's word and his promises are. And we're like, okay, Lord, if you can speak to the winds and the waves and command them to be still, why can't you do that in my situation? God, why can't you do that in my circumstance? God, why are... And I think instead of being frustrated with the Lord in those moments, instead of coming to the place of realizing, you know what? The plans that God has for me are His plans. And I may not fully understand them. In fact, there may be parts and aspects of it that I don't like. <laughs> Even if the plan and the full details of it were revealed, there may be parts of it that, 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 wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be exciting, that wouldn't be thrilling in that moment. But what happens when I choose to listen to the words of Jesus? It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by His own authority. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. I love in Matthew chapter 10 when Jesus sent the disciples out and he told them to go and to, and, and to preach the good news, to heal the sick and, and, and to raise the dead, to drive out demons, to, to pray for those that had leprosy to be cleansed. When he gave them that instruction at the end of it, he said, and when you go, don't take anything with you. No silver, no gold, no preparations. Don't, don't pack a bunch of stuff. Don't carry a bunch of stuff. When you go, just go and trust in the plan and, and, and the purposes of what I have for you. And in that moment, it, there's, there's this, this realization that if I'm living my life on mission, if I'm following His plan, it releases me from the burden of trying to figure out all of the details. And it relieves me of the burden of trying to make it all happen on my own. What happens in the moment that I begin following his plan is that I begin responding with simple obedience. Tell your neighbor, it's about simple obedience. Simple obedience. When, my, when, 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 I, was, when I was a child and, and the, instruction was given me for, for, the instruction was given to me to take out the trash, my mom didn't, she wasn't interested in me having a conversation with her about when it would be best for me to take out the trash. When my dad said, take out the trash... Or my mom said, take out the trash. They had one expectation, that I was going to take out the trash. Well, when I get done watching this, or when I get done doing that, or how about when I get back from here? You know, you watch a child with their parent, and you watch how, especially the older they get, they start having conversations with their parents. I've watched Titus do this with Austin and Haley some. You know, they're like, do this. And he's like, well, how about this? I think sometimes we do that with the Lord. Well, Lord, how about this? How about instead of doing it this way, how about we do it that way? As if we don't have enough examples in the Word, as if we haven't had enough life experience for ourselves to know that His ways are much higher, that His thoughts are much greater, that His purposes in our lives are far better. If we will simply obey, if we will simply respond in obedience, we will alleviate ourselves the grief of trying to do it our way of trying to have it our way, of trying to respond our way. Because the problem is, is that when we try to live our lives and, and, and try to do it according to God's way, but refuse to follow in simple obedience to what He's instructed us to do, we find ourselves living in a place of frustration. And we find ourselves eventually coming to a place of desperation. And that's the moment that we begin conceding on the Word of God, on the promises of God, and we stop responding as the child of God that He's called us to be. It's the moment that we stop living by the Spirit and we start walking by the flesh. It's the moment that we start responding to our fears and our worries and our uncertainties 
activities, that anxiety becomes the leader and the ruler of our life, that we begin acting and, and responding and talking and speaking in a way, not as someone who has experienced the revelation of who Jesus is, not as someone who's come into a place of understanding that if God is for us, who can be against us, that if I have need, He already knows, and He's already working and moving in my life, but what happens is instead of living by faith, instead of walking in the authority that God has given me as a believer, as a disciple of Jesus, I begin living and walking as someone who is a part of this world, but God didn't call me to go back into the darkness that He called me out of. He called me to live in the light. And what happens when I begin following His plan is I begin watching as God miraculously moves and as God miraculously fulfills His plan and His vision on the earth. I begin watching as God provides almost supernaturally at times. I begin watching is God heals supernaturally at times. Why? Because I'm following His plan. And when I follow His plan, I watch Him do what only He can. It's in those moments where it seems like, and to the rest of the world, it looks like my life is going in a certain direction. But for those who are simply obeying Jesus, we know that God has positioned us for such a time as this, to be a light in the midst of darkness. Like Paul with the jailer when the prison was shaken and the doors were open. God has strategically positioned him for the salvation of not only him, but his entire family. Maybe the chaos and the uncertainty in my life, maybe the trials and the, and the tribulations that I'm walking through in my life have less to do about me and more to do about God and his plan like never before. When I rest in the realization that it is God's plans for my life, I'm living on the mission that he's called me to, and I watch as his provision and his protection and His promises and His blessings are fulfilled in my life like never before. Simple obedience. It alleviates our worry because it's not our mission. It's His. Secondly, we have to remember that we're not alone. Tell your neighbor, you're not alone. You're not alone. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20. At the very end, He said, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In the Old Testament and New, God constantly reminds us that if we, are in, if we are following after Him, He will never leave us or forsake us. Friends, there are times where it feels like, and there are times where it seems like, and I don't, I don't ever, ever want to underestimate the weight of those emotions and those weight of feelings in your life. Hear me when I say, when I, preach, when I preach about trusting God, when I preach about handing things over to the Lord, when I preach about those things, understand that I'm not, under, I'm not under, underestimating the weight and the depth of the emotion, of the pain, of the difficulty, of the suffering, of the trial or the tribulation that you may be in. But I'm here to tell you that in that place, you're not alone. That like the psalmist said, in the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the deepest, darkest moments of my life, He's there. And the craziest and the most unexpected places, He's there. It's why He said, in the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. There's a reason why we see time and time again the testimony of God's faithfulness, of God showing up in the unexpected, of God showing up in the unknown, of God moving in those miraculous ways. Why? Because His intention is for you to always know that He's there. 
that it may be dark and that it may be it may seem impossible and it may seem that it, there's no there's no way out or there's no way through but if he is in the middle of it with you there is always a way out and there is always a way through and if you will trust in him and you will lean in him and you will spend your time not worrying about the unknowns and not worrying about the impossibilities but worshiping the god who can do the impossible it's in that place that you find rest for your soul. I'm living on mission. This life is not my own. As Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It matters not what happens to me today. It matters not what happens to me tomorrow because I know I'm in the center of his will and I'm in the middle of his plan. All I can do is look around and see the faithfulness and the goodness of God. All I can do is look around and see how God continues to provide and how God continues to restore and how God continues to redeem. If He's put me in the darkest place, it may be in that darkness that He's called me to be the greatest light, to see the lost saved, and to see the sick healed, and to see the dead raised. It's in that place of realizing that I'm living on the mission of what God has called me to, that I begin to experience the joy of being a part of the supernatural invasion of heaven on this earth, of seeing His kingdom come and His will being done, of looking at the impossible situations and saying, you know what? I don't have the answer and I don't have the means, but I serve the one who does. I've served the one who can take what you do have, who can take what is available and multiply it to meet the needs of those who are hungry or those who are thirsty. I've seen the one who can break down the prison walls. I've seen the one who can split the dry sea. I've experienced his glory and his presence and I've witnessed his faithfulness in my life. I serve a miracle-working God. I serve a promise-keeping God. I serve a faithful God. A God who has called me on this great mission with Him. I, 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 love, this, I love that the passage, this passage of Scripture is oftentimes referred to as, as the Great Commission. And, and the thing that I love about that commission is that God never intended for the mission that you're living on to be done alone. If God, if God calls you to a place, if God, if God leads you to a place, to a job, if God's positioned you in, the, in your family, if God's positioned you in your community, if God's positioned you in your church, the mission that God has given you, God is not expecting you to make it happen on your own. It's the reason why He said in Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? Because God did not intend for you and I to live our mission on our own. He intended for you and I to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. To walk in the authority they had given us. The commission that He had given us was the authority to be able to speak to the darkness, to speak to the attempts of the enemy through the authority and the power of Jesus and His Spirit that lives within us to see His kingdom come and His will being done. That's what I love about Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, when Peter and John were headed up to the temple to pray. And they, they come to the temple gate called Beautiful, and, and there was a lame man that was there, and, and he's begging for, for anything, to be able to have his needs met, to be able to, to just survive, to be able to just make it through. And, and I love that when he, when he speaks to them, I love that Peter and John's response was, silver or gold we do not have, but what we have we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
I, I just wonder what would happen as the church today if in the middle of this uncertainty, in the middle of this chaos that our world is currently in, if as believers we would realize that we're living on mission and that we're walking in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And if we would begin looking at situations and circumstances and saying, you know what, I don't have the money, I don't have the resources, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the ability, but I'll tell you the thing I've got can't even begin to compare to a single one of those things. And his name is Jesus. And I believe that he has a plan for you, that he loved you so much that he sacrificed his life so that you could be free from your guilt, so that you could be free from your shame, so that you could be free from your sin, so that you could experience the hope that I've come to encounter and the peace that I've come to know that no matter what comes today or tomorrow, there is a hope, there is a joy, there is a peace, there is a love that I have, and his name is Jesus. Can I introduce you to him? Can I tell you about him? He can heal sickness and disease. He can bring provision out of nothing and make it into everything that you need it to be. He can supply, he can move, and he can work in miraculous ways. As the church, I wonder what would happen if we would respond with a faith like Peter and John's, like the disciples and the apostles who had been called to say, you know what? It may look impossible. It may seem impossible. It may feel impossible, but I serve a God who knows no limits of impossible. He makes the impossible his demonstrations for his glory, for his word and his promises and his plans to come to pass. He never intended for you and I to do it alone. He intended to be right in the middle of it all, that we would be in the places that he's positioned us for such a time and such a moment to see his kingdom come and his will be done. Thirdly, he's called us to walk in his power. The commission that God has called us to, to walk in his power, to see the fulfillment of his plans and of his promises. It's like we talked about last week when Paul said, I didn't come to you with eloquence, with wise words, with, with an understanding of trying to bring to you the revelation of who God is in and, and, and the world's terms, but through a demonstration of the Spirit's power. To see the lost saved and the sick healed. To see the bound set free. To see His kingdom come on the earth. God has called all of us to be a part of that process. Tell your neighbor, that's you. Tell your neighbor, that's me. God's called us and He's positioned us for such a time as this to be a part of the fulfillment of His plan and His promises and His word. He's called us as we live on the mission, as we live in the mission that God has called us to, to watch as, as the power of God gives us the boldness to share, the boldness to speak, the boldness to pray, the boldness to give, the boldness to serve, the boldness to go, and simple obedience to what the Holy Spirit leads us to. Those moments when we step out and we watch as God speaks and we watch as God moves and we watch as God does what only He can. The Word is full of those moments, of those that were, that were bold enough not by their own, not by their own will or their own ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit that was at work within their life. God has called us to be a church that walks and lives by His Spirit. To rely on the Holy Spirit, to rely on the on the power that God has given us to speak to the enemy and the strongholds of the enemy and to watch those strongholds fall. There's a reason. There's a reason why we, why we pray. 
Our, our, our prayers are not just hopes. Our prayers are not just things that we, that we say in hope of. Our prayers and the power and the authority that, that God has made available to us, that God has given us by His Holy Spirit. That when we speak and we declare His Word, and when we speak and declare according to His will, that we see God do those things. It's why we pray for healing and we believe that God heals. Amen? It's why we pray and we believe by faith and we watch as God provides. It's why we pray and we believe and we watch as God works. We live by faith and not by sight. And the revelation of who God is and the purpose and the power and the promises of what He's called. The kingdom of darkness is powerful. If you don't believe me, turn on your television and watch the news. The kingdom of darkness, the enemy, the enemy has no problem walking in the power of the authority that he has. And his time is limited. His time's coming. Amen? His time's coming, and I'm thankful for it. But in, that, in, in the enemy's power and his ability to be able to do and respond to the things that he has, God has put, a, God has put us as the church to be be the ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, to be his feet, to be his hands, to be his voice, to pray, to declare. The reason that we pray is because when we pray, God strategically responds and moves in supernatural ways to do what only he can. I firmly believe in the power of prayer. I'm so excited about tonight. I hope you'll be able to join us, either in person or online, to be able to spend some time in worship and to spend some time in prayer. Something powerful happens when the people of God pray. The greatest revivals on the earth were birthed out of prayer. They were birthed out of worship. When the, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the 120 that were there were gathered and they were praying and seeking God. They were worshiping the Lord. They were spending time waiting on the instructions that God had given him. Simple obedience. You know, in that moment, everyone could have said, well, Jesus told us to go. We need to go. Jesus didn't say go. Jesus said wait. And there are moments and times in our life where God's going to say wait, and there are times when God's going to say go. The, the purpose of our, our response is the obedience of what he's called us to do. When we give, when we serve, when we speak, when we do, it's out of obedience of what he said and the revelation that he's given us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because when I'm living on mission, what happens is I see God work, and I see God move, and I see God do things that only he could. And instead of trying to make it happen on my own, I get to be a part of the process of what God's doing and seeing His promises come to pass. God has called every single one of us to be a part. Every single one of us to be engaged. Every single one of us to, to, to be a part of the, of the commission that He gave, of, of, the, of the command that He gave to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. But He didn't, he didn't expect us to do it powerless. Full of the Holy Spirit full of the revelation of who God is. That when we would speak, it would be His words and not ours. That when we, would, when we would pray, that it would be His words and not ours. That we would see the strongholds of the enemy fall. I believe God has incredible things in store for this city. I believe God has incredible things in store for your family. I believe that God wants to heal, and that God wants to save, and that God wants to deliver. I believe that God wants to move in incredible ways and that He's called us to walk in His love, to walk in His truth, and to speak and to declare to the strongholds of the enemy. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities. If we're not praying, how are we fighting? If we spend more time talking 
to the Lord in prayer about the things that we see and the things that we're concerned about than talking about them to other people, there would be a shift that would happen in the atmosphere and in the heavenlies. Why? Because when we pray, heaven moves. Heaven moves. And so uh, when, we, when we realize that we're living on mission, you know, it's not, about, it's not about me trying to accomplish something for myself, but it's about seeing the fulfillment of God's plan on the earth and seeing the law saved. It's all about the redemption of God, of, of God's plan, the redeeming part of God's plan, the redemption of the lost, and the purpose of what He's put us here. I believe when we are living on mission that God takes care of everything else. I firmly believe that. I believe this last year and all of, the, all of the uncertainty of the pandemic and everything that happened, I believe our church had what it needed to be able to do what God has called us to do because we were obedient to move and to adjust and to, and to be faithful to what God said. Obedience positions us to be in the fulfillment of God's plan and to experience the protection and the fulfillment of His promises in our lives. Not always easy, but it's always good. And it's always right. Fourthly, finally this morning, Austin got nervous because I told him this morning that I had several different points that I was praying over for this message. And I said, I've got about ten different variations of all of this. And he said, so you have ten points. And I said, no. And so I know he was, I said, well, maybe, we never know. And he said, he said this morning, he was like, oh dear. So I know that he was getting real nervous because it's ten till twelve and I'm at, I'm at four and there might be ten. Some of y'all are like, I'm not nervous, I'm leaving. <laughs> Some of y'all online, I'm logging out right now, I gotta go. <clears throat> All right, what happens, what happens when we're living on mission? Fourthly, we tell his story. We tell his story. We, we tell about what God has done in our lives and in our situations. We tell about how God has worked and how God has moved and how God has provided and how God has, God has made impossible things possible. And, and, and here's the deal. When we, tell, when we tell his story, when we tell about what he's done, when we preach the good news, it's amazing what happens. I, you know, I think there's this natural fear that we have sometimes when it, comes to, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to telling people about Jesus because we're afraid of how they'll, because we're afraid of how they'll react. And, you know, I love, there's been several studies and several statistics that have been done on just about inviting people to church. And 80% of, of people who you invite to church will say yes most of them never come because they never receive an invitation because as the church, we're afraid to invite them. Because we're afraid they'll say no. Now tell me, who's the author behind that? Because the enemy knows that if they encounter the presence of Jesus, they'll never leave the same. And, and, that, and this is why I say all the time, the greatest threat to the kingdom of God is fear. Because if the enemy can use fear, he will keep us from ever living by faith and ever being bold enough to share. I, I, believe it's why, I believe it's why the apostle said, pray that we will have boldness to speak the word of God, to declare the word of God, to declare the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ fearlessly. To, to be bold enough to share. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, friends, when we share the good news about what Jesus has done or is doing in our life with those who don't know him, more often times than not, it's the open door that the Holy Spirit needs to begin to move on their heart in ways that we would have never thought possible. And in that moment, they begin to open themselves up to the love of Jesus like never before, and we get to have the opportunity to become a part of the family of God. My prayer for us this year as a church is that we will 
tell his story like never before. That we will invite other people, bring other people with us on this incredible journey of living on the mission that God has given us. To be a part of seeing his kingdom come and his will being done on the earth. To be a part of experiencing his glory and his presence in our lives like never before. To know that this world has nothing to offer that can even begin to compare to the love, the presence, the power, and the promises of God's word, of his plan, and his will for our lives. When we begin to tell his story, what happens in that moment is the Holy Spirit takes over. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I, 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 love, I love that. that there was a, there's a passage of scripture, I don't have it marked in my, in my Bible this morning, but Jesus is giving instructions and, and the apostles are giving instructions on going and, and, and preaching the good news. And they said, you know, there's times where you're going to be before... You're going to be before different ones, that, uh, different councils and, and different authorities that are going to call you in. And you don't need to worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will come on you and, and give you the words that you need to speak and give you the words that you need to say. And, and, and being obedient to go and being obedient to share and being obedient, I think we need to worry less about how we say it and worry more about being obedient to share what God has, has put on our hearts to share. To share the testimony of God's faithfulness in our life with our neighbors or with our friends or with our coworkers to say, hey, let me tell you this story about, about something awesome that God did for me and my family. You know, I look back over I look back over 2020 and with everything that we've been through and everything that we face, I mean, for those that have lost people they love, friends, family, neighbors that, that have been impacted by this, for people that have felt the weight of not being able to be with loved ones or being able to spend time with their family or being able to just function and, and what would what seemed to be a normal, a normal way of life and all of that, it's amazing to me to watch as how God still worked and moved to bring about the fulfillment of his mission in the earth. You know, this last year we were we were reflecting over some of the things that God did and you know, highest year for, for giving and kingdom builders in the, in the last five years, over 77,000. It was incredible to, to see God do that. At the start of the pandemic, we had a brand new $100,000 roof almost put on this church that had been the answer to prayer for years. That had been an issue that had, had needed to, to be dealt with. And, and knowing what our budget limitations were, the enemy wants you to give in to your limitations. If you'll settle, you'll never experience the power of, of God's provision, of God's promises in your life. If he can box you and I in with fear, we'll never step out in faith and we'll never see the harvest of souls that God's called us to. Uh, you know, all of the things that, that God has blessed us with and that we have, they're about the mission. It's about the mission. It's about living on mission. And when my life becomes, when it comes to that point of saying, you know what, Jesus, I'll give you whatever I can give you. I'll do whatever I can do. I'm all in. I say yes. And I rest in that place. It frees me from the worries and the weights and the pressures of this life. You know, I look back on this last year and, and in spite of all the chaos and the uncertainty and even the loss and the things, it's been amazing to watch some of the things that God has done. And that God has moved, showing his faithfulness. We had Jude was born this last year, a baby that we had prayed for as a church family, beginning in, in the fall of 2019. You know, Austin and Haley had, had walked through that whole process of, 
you know, the, the miscarriages and, and going through the same exact effects. And as a church, we stood on the word of God and we prayed and we believed. You know, and in the middle of a pandemic, here this miracle is born. And, and just such a joy and, and a huge miracle. You know, and the thing I love about that is the testimony of Titus's prayers. You know, Titus watched. Kids are watching all the time what you're doing. If you're worrying, you're teaching your kids to worry. If your response is fear and anxiety, you're teaching your kids to live in that same place. If your response is faith and prayer, I'm not saying don't pretend that worry and fear aren't a thing. They are. But teach your kids how to walk in the victory of overcoming those things and of the power of the Word of God. Titus watched this church. He watched you. He watched you pray. He listened to you pray. He watched your faith in action. And my favorite thing is, is anytime Austin and Haley would come to the house or anytime that we would be together, he would say, we need to pray for the baby. And I had a box of anointing oil over on the, on the hutch at the house, and he would go over and he would open that box and he would pull out that anointing oil, and he would grab that oil and he would stick his hand on Haley's belly. And he would say, Jesus, I pray for this baby to grow really, 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 really big. In Jesus' name, amen. And every time he got done, Haley would say, Lord, not too big, just right. Because the faith of a child, that young man, that, that boy was convinced and still is that the power of your prayers are effective because of who our God is. We stood in faith and we believed, and that baby was big, nine pounds, nine ounces. Doctor said it's a good thing we don't wait another week. Born, healthy, full of life, full of hope, in the middle of the pandemic. You know, for me, it was a time and it was a moment where I had no idea what was going to happen next. Services online, not being able to gather together, so many unknowns, what are the potentials? And when he was born, it was just another reminder of the faithfulness of God and the promises of his word. And every time I look at him, I'm reminded of his faithfulness and of his promises. And of the revelation of what God said. And hearing, and hearing Titus pray. You know, and seeing the faith uh, and, and seeing that developed in the future generations of our church. And being a part of it. You go on, girl. Preach with me, Ember. That's right. The faith of a child. To believe God and to trust in what he said. To watch the provision of God and the faithfulness of God and the blessings of God. Is there loss? Is there trial? Is there tribulation? Absolutely. But in all of it, he's faithful. And in everything that we lose, God redeems. Everything that happens, God takes and He works together for the good of those who love Him. For the fulfillment of His mission and His plan in our lives. I'm thankful to be living on mission today. I'm, I'm thankful to be living on a mission. Living in the fulfillment of God's Word and of His plans and of His promises. And I'm excited about what God's doing in His church. About what He's doing in your life. About what He's doing in your family. About what He's doing in our community and our world today. I believe the best is yet to come. Amen.